0: This is the Made For More podcast. The health and wellness industry can be dogmatic and stagnant. We aim to explore what makes up the true essence of the human experience by discussing health, happiness, the human body, and what it truly means to be made for more. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds, along with co-host Lauren Sock and Mary Kathleen Toner. Today's episode of Made For More is sponsored by Functionize Health and Physical Therapy. Functionize Health and Physical Therapy provides modern wellness for the everyday athlete. Functionize is a private-pay physical therapy and wellness center serving active adults and athletes across the greater Atlanta area. Built on the foundation of understanding human experience, offering practical solutions and insisting on an individualized approach, Functionize empowers you to take control of your health and wellness today you may thrive and enjoy your best years ahead. You can find Functionize Health online at www.functionizehealth.com or call at 404-907-4196. Now, Made for More. Welcome everybody to the Made for More podcast. I am Jake Reynolds.
1: I'm Mary Kathleen. And I'm Lauren Sock. Today, we are excited to sit down with certified health coach and founder of Well Atlanta, Gabrielle Diaria. Welcome, Gabrielle.
2: Hi, guys. I'm so excited
1: to be here. We're excited to have you. So we're going to jump in here. Um, you know, we all know we're in the health and wellness industry, and it, it, it isn't rare that many professionals find themselves in the world of health and wellness due to a personal experience. But Gabrielle, your journey actually began with a common issue that some of us face at some point in our lives, which was food poisoning. Yep. <laughs> so we'll skip the more graphic details because we all know what happens with food poisoning, right? Uh-huh. But tell us a little bit about how your experience was different from typical food poisoning.
2: Yeah. So it's actually interesting. The more I've thought about what happened in those days where my, the food poisoning did hit my body... I recall how much stress that I was under around that time of my life. You know, my father had just passed away and clearly wasn't handling that like a pro.
0: Um,
2: And I just remember being in such a state of panic and stress and worry and sadness. Um, And then I had my situation happen where I went out to brunch. I was eating a chicken taquito, which I was you know, stoked about. And (laughs) after I had it, um, I realized that that was not the ideal choice. And, um, you know, the next day I noticed that my body just didn't feel normal. And, you know, that continued on for a while. And, uh, you know, I went to my primary care physician and said, you know, hey, something's going on. Um, And, you know, that just started the journey of trying to uncover you know, what happened that day with that taquito and how to heal my body from it. Um, at, you know, when I first went to my primary care physician, you know, they had no idea what was going on. You know, they tested me for HIV. Oh, um, gosh. I'm like, wow. you guys, I had a taquito, like, let's calm down. <laughs> um, not, not, that there's oh, anything, not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, it just, you know, that 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 situation in those several months, you know, put you in such a a spin of panic because... You think you're just having some stomach issues and then, you know, the doctors take you on a whole nother journey.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that something as, you know, quote unquote simple, it doesn't feel simple in the moment, but like food poisoning could trigger an autoimmune disorder. Um, But I mean, I know you mentioned you were under a lot of stress, but does it happen often that something like that will trigger something much bigger?
2: You know, the longer that I've done this work, I've realized that when I hear people say that, and not all cases, but a Mm -hmm. lot of times when people tell me that they got sick or, you know, they got diagnosed with cancer, I ask what had been going on in their lives around that time period. And I either hear divorce or, you know, losing someone. Um, So I'm really starting to try to do more research on what trauma is doing to our body to like ignite those situations. Um,
0: Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I honestly, I really believe that that was a trigger, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, my mother had thyroid issues for a long time growing up and she didn't realize she had autoimmune, autoimmune Hashimoto's until I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recently spoke with an aunt and was telling her the symptoms that I had had. She got tested and she was also diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Oh and God. I also have two separate cousins that have got diagnosed with lupus since then. So mm-hmm. I do believe that our genetics play a big role. I don't think that everybody, just because their mother has it, that doesn't mean you're going to have it. But yeah. if you don't take care of yourself, you're under stressful situations. And then God forbid you have, you know, we, we all know that everything starts in the gut. You know, God forbid we have something happen in our gut. I feel like that is going to trigger those situations. Like a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect storm.
0: This is so interesting because uh, someone very close to me um, and, and actually my sister as well, both diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. And one of these people had at the time some events going on and definitely some stressful and, and traumatic events going on that absolutely triggered. We keep talking about how, you know, what was maybe the, the root of that um, mm-hmm. and, and why was that thing triggered? And, and definitely it's the coupling of that terrain uh, that body terrain combined with that event that probably caused that to express itself. And one thing that I'm I'm so proud of her for is she took a, the proactive approach of you know physicians telling her you'll never get pregnant, you're you're probably not going to get a period again, and and that's you know that's just what you're going to have to deal with. And she just didn't take no for an answer. She completely overhauled her lifestyle at the time when she tested her antibodies were over 900. And just two weeks ago, tested and antibodies were 36. Um,
3: That's awesome. Just like barely <laughs> yes. like
0: on, the, on the cusp of re- remission, right, which is technically 34. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but is so committed to the lifestyle changes, so committed to the diet, so committed to exercise, uh, parasite cleanses, all of these things that, you know, you have to do when mm-hmm. you're dealing with something like this. What are the type of lifestyle changes that you had to make or that you encourage other people to make? in order to kind of combat that for yourself?
2: Wow, that's such a good question. So my, let's take it back a notch. So I got diagnosed in, or I got sick in 2014. So it's been several, over six plus years. Um, And at the time I had already graduated college. Um, You know, I was working in a sales job. I was bartending on the weekends. You know, I was definitely living that, you know, mid twenties lifestyle, Um, wasn't eating healthy by any means. Um, my husband, we were dating at the time, he owns a nightclub in the city. And so, you know, that's definitely a different lifestyle than what I live Mm now. Um, and when I got sick, it was such a blessing in disguise. Um, I changed everything when, when, after the 10 different doctor visits and Lyme tests and HIV tests and lupus tests and, you know just i had more cleanses and blood work than i could even i even want to talk about but and it was really scary but when i did finally get to a place of understanding what was wrong we were able to determine how to how to heal myself right and i changed um first i went gluten dairy soy free like that was that was step 1 um yep. and i didn't even know what's so funny is when i was in college i had i It's really weird because I slowly had issues for years before I got sick, right? I I got sick once and went to the ER and he told me, he said, one day you're going to have to go gluten-free. And I'm like, I don't Mm. even know what gluten-free means. I'm 23. I'm in college. I'm a poor college kid. So I remember leaving the ER that day and going to Kroger and trying to buy gluten-free foods. And I got I remember getting bread and muffins and I spent like $40. I'm like, this is going to be a no for me. I'm going back to the Oreos (laughs) and the cookies because at the time it was so limited. So that was my first step. And then I, you know, got on thyroid medication because, you know, Hashimoto's, it, it attacks your thyroid. I remember my levels, my TSH was over seven when they uncovered that it was thyroid issues. And I remember the doctor calling and me just crying yeah, Th- thankful that they finally uncovered why I felt so crazy. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I started minimizing that I had an experience where they overdosed me on my thyroid medication. So I was in the hospital twice. So, like that was oh a whole, my thing. gosh, um, so I really just looked at my levels and said, okay, this is where I'm lacking. I need to support, you know, my body's functions. Um, I changed my diet. I stopped drinking as much. Um, and you know, I decided that, I was healing myself on a physical level, but I needed to heal myself on a mental level as well because that emotional journey for me was intense. My anxiety had just was intense at the time and you know, I also wanted to heal from like childhood triggers and childhood traumas and so I went to Costa Rica on a one week retreat with eight women I had never met. And we sat in a circle and cried and did anger releases and journaled. And I, that was my 30th birthday. And I think I came back as, as a different woman. That's awesome. Wow. Person. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think this is a good segue just into, you know, this, this experience is traumatic for, for anybody, right. In terms of just finding a solution and a provider that can help them. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, aside from, you know, just the physical part, when we talk about the mental health, you know, if somebody came to you, what kind of mental health habits will, you know, do you think help them or have helped you to kind of get the right mindset that you can overcome this and it isn't just something you're going to have to, you know, live with and not be able to overcome?
2: That's a good one because when I first got diagnosed, I was terrified. Because Mm -hmm. I didn't know, first of all, I didn't even know what Hashimoto's meant. I didn't really know what autoimmune issues were. You know, I was never sick before. So I I thought, I just didn't know how much my life was going to change. And I thought that I was never going to be able to do anything normal again. So that was my first step was just because like your disease doesn't define who you are. You have Mm -hmm. to make changes and you have to pivot But that's it. And honestly, the changes and the way I've pivoted has made me a healthier, better person anyway. So you have to take it as a positive. And I also, it was also lonely, you guys. It was so lonely. For a good six months, I couldn't drive my car. I lost 20 pounds. So I was so weak. And my husband, you know, we were dating at the time. I think, I don't even think we were engaged at this point it was hard on our relationship Mm -hmm. because here he's not signing up for somebody that has to stay on the couch Mm -hmm. all day, you know? And, and he, Mm. he, he met me as this like vibrant, like excited for life person. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of gone. So it took a huge toll on our relationship and we really had to work on that. And, you know, now we're stronger than ever. And I really believe that that helped us get through COVID. <laughs> I really do. <did>. I'm <laughs> like, sure of yeah. it. Thankfully, oh, yeah. that time period, COVID just, you know, was a breeze for us because we had been through so much before. Yeah. So I would just say for, for people that are like re- newly diagnosed or like going through it, just find people that have gone through it. Call me, like email me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been through it. I I had to change relationships with my friends and my family and, but you're so important and standing up for yourself and making those changes for yourself is just so important. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me think, you know, we did a podcast um, a few months ago with a, a psychotherapist that talks about, what she calls the little t trauma. So people think of trauma as being a big thing like going off to war or you know being in an accident. Like this is the little t trauma that stays with you that you have to overcome and and acknowledging that that is you're changing your life and that's yeah. that's very you know traumatic for you know our mental health. So just being able to acknowledge that and not thinking that you have to just brush it off because it's a health issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's changing who you are as a person for sure. Absolutely.
2: Well, and when you look at it like you're just doing it for a health issue, I mean, and also no judgment for what I'm about to say, but I've also uncovered a lot of people that do have autoimmune issues and you would never know because no. yeah. they're out living their life as they were prior to being in that situation. And, you know, I just, I know that there's a high percentage that of, if you get one autoimmune disease, you have like a 70 or 80% chance of getting a second if you don't take oh, wow. take care of yourself. I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but it's very high. And I'm just not trying to do that. Like I'm just not, you know, and you know, if people try to, you know, like say something about how I eat or the fact that I don't really drink that much or whatever, it's like, that's fine. But I don't want to make myself any sicker. That, that doesn't, that's not good for my quality of life.
3: Absolutely. It, to me, one of the something that sticks with me is really frustrating about your story is that you, went to the ER so many multiple times, and you kept getting sicker and sicker. And it's, it sounds like you saw a lot of providers um, before you really got an answer. So is maybe that it sounds like that maybe is part of what sparked your passion and helped you found well seen, because you're connecting all these providers with each other, and then not just with each other, but also with the people who need them.
2: Yeah. That was a really hard thing for me because again, I didn't know anything about the medical community. You know, like growing up, I saw a primary care physician. I saw an OBGYN or I saw, you know, a gynecologist and Mm -hmm. you know, if I got sick, they threw me some steroids. Like that's all I knew about anything. I had no idea what functional medicine meant. I had no idea the other realm of, of treating people. And so when I started at the primary care physician and he you guys, when he tested me for HIV, they had to give me um, a password. So when they called me and they called me the day that me and my now husband moved in together and I'm like, cool. So I'm going to get HIV. He's going to dump me and I'm going to have nowhere to live. That was (laughs) literally what I was thinking, but they had to give me a password. Like I had to give them a password. So when they called, you know, so they're not giving my information to someone else. And my password was, I don't have HIV. Like you're missing the point. And yeah. so like, was, like, my yeah. way of like taking my power back, but they referred me to, um, uh, an endo. And then, you know, I went to like three or four of those trying to uncover thyroid issues. Then they sent me to a rheumatologist cause they thought my lupus markers were high. Then I went to three infectious disease doctors because oh it could be gosh. Lyme. And then I finally, you know, it was a blessing. Someone was like, hey, have you ever heard about this one particular place, you know, that was more functional medicine? And I hadn't. And I went and I was like, well hi guys, you know, I've been, I've been waiting on you Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they treated me like a whole, and they, you know, did all the blood work to uncover my stomach issues and uncovered like high candida levels. And my, they, you know, I did the SIBO test and I, you know, I had to blow mm-hmm. in the thing and, yeah and that's where they started, you know, I met with a um, nutritionist there and that's where we started gluten, dairy, soy free. And I don't go there anymore, but I'm so thankful for that place and I'm thankful for that that whole industry that they can treat you as a whole and not just a piece and having to bounce. And also, you know, it takes like 30 to 60 days to get into a regular doctor anyway. So that yeah. whole process was like three years. It was such oh a waste gosh, of my time. Yeah. And it wasn't even that
3: long ago either. Like it was, it started in 2014. You said
2: it started in 2014. I, and on, when I turned 30, I'm 33 now. So about so I guess in 2017, was when I was finally at a turning point of my healing. That was, wow, so man. it was a good three years of a struggle.
0: Let's assume somebody gets a, an autoimmune diagnosis and maybe they're, they're in the right place or they're in, you know, uh, have the right resources at their hands. This is something that takes a, a pretty drastic lifestyle overhaul. It can be a really daunting, scary uh, kind of thing to undertake where is the place that you found was most helpful for you to start? Like, did you just go full tilt into it or did you just take, you know, one little bite at a time? So I guess maybe the question is what, what are the initial steps that somebody ought to take? And then how do you help people kind of see this thing as a whole and then just introduce these bite-sized things that they need to start doing? Right. Cause this can be a lot. Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: No, it does. And it's such a good question. So when you get that diagnosis, it is terrifying. I mean, it's so scary. Yeah. You like I said, you feel like you're never going to be able to do anything again. Like, will your energy levels be the same? Like, will you be able to still do work? Like, it just varies for so many people. So, I would say step 1, and if you have good providers, I'm sure that they're recommending things. Step 1 for me was changing my diet because since we do know that so much of your health is in your gut. And my gut issues were such a trigger to this. That was step one for me. So when I went gluten, dairy, soy free, so I came home and I remember going in my kitchen and just throwing everything out. I threw everything out of my pantry, everything out of my fridge, which was probably really drastic, but I just took the approach of I've been sick for three years and I'm over it. And I want to get, if that's what's making me sicker, it's out of here. Yeah. But then I didn't eat for two days because I was (laughs) learning how to eat right and You know, so I took the strategy of, okay, every morning, this is what I have for breakfast. What can I take out of that and replace to where I can still eat that? So because I wanted food to still be comforting and familiar. And so I use that strategy to continue on to even today, that's how I cook and bake, because I still want to have normal things. I don't want to feel like I'm not you know, enjoying things like everybody else. So I just have to kind of, right. a, you know, change it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely step one. And then step two was having conversations with everybody around me, explaining the changes that we're making and, or that I was making so that they didn't try to say, Oh, come on, come out and get drunk with us tonight. Or, you know, come on and let's go to this pizza bar or something. You know, I I wanted them to understand that I was doing this for health reasons Mm -hmm. and that they needed to be as respectful as they could. And my friends are great. They'll research a menu before a restaurant before Mm -hmm. I even do. They're like, Oh, we found that you can eat this, you know? And 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 having that conversation with your family is even more important, you know, because yeah. of holidays mm-hmm. and especially with holidays coming up, you know, you're sitting down at Christmas and, you know, I remember the first year I sat down at Christmas and I had nothing that I could eat. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. cool. Ugh. Super cool. Merry Christmas. Yeah. So, you know, having those, and it's it's a learning experience for everyone around you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just your journey. It's everyone around you is going to have to be on board with it as well. Yeah.
0: And that's where having... Good friends and supportive spouses or partners is really important in that journey to come alongside you and it's probably very easy in those circumstances to feel like a burden right? Because, oh, I don't want to be the squeaky wheel. I don't want to have to cause everybody yeah. to change the restaurants we go to or change the way we do Christmas dinner and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've always told the people, like I said, I, I have several people really close to me who have Hashimoto's. And the the approach we take is we're, we care more about you and spending time with you and, and your well being that like, I, I can eat gluten free, I can go to a vegan restaurant mm-hmm. one time, and it's not a big deal, you know, right. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that, the important part is the education for spouses or for family members,
2: right. because,
0: you know, so many people, we have this culture that has this has this pendulum that swung so far to, you know, conscious eating to where a lot of people kind of view it as like, oh, you're not actually gluten-free or you're not actually gluten intolerant, right? Tell me so about like, it. <laughs> how, like what are some resources or some information that, Uh, you have given people or that you kind of point people to that can help with this educational process?
2: Well, first of all, especially with the Hashimoto's part of it and the thyroid issues, I, first of all, I send information about inflammation and why that inflammation affects me and Mm -hmm. how the reasons why I want to keep inflammation down in my body. And then also about the foods that are going to trigger my thyroid to start overproducing and, we don't want that either. Or the, Mm -hmm. or the foods that mimic thyroid hormones. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you have science behind you and explain these things to people, instead of just like you said, being like, Oh, well, you're not really gluten intolerant. I get people ask me all the time, are you celiac? And I'm like, I am not diagnosed, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I do have autoimmune issues, which celiac is autoimmune. So to me, the result is the same. If I eat gluten, yeah. I'm down for a week. you know if I mm-hmm. eat gluten, I am exhausted, I'm bloated, I have brain fog. We don't want to talk about bathroom issues, but you know it's <laughs> not pleasant. So yeah. I think just educating people with science is key. And then I feel like when it comes to holidays and things like that, I like to provide cookbooks for people. So hey, right, you know, this art. is a cookbook that I really like um, and it's delicious. These are some of my favorite things you should try it and kind of, you know, branch out. Yeah. You know, my husband has met ne- had never had gluten free stuff before. Oh, heck, neither had I. But when mm-hmm. I went gluten free, that's all we eat at home. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, I, and I cook. He doesn't cook. So you it's like a kid. You eat what I cook. Mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. is 100% gluten free at <laughs> home. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know, everything's dairy free, you know, cow dairy like I still do goat um, goat, goat milk and goat cheese. And, you know, there's no soy. So whenever I do like a fried rice, it's always coconut aminos and Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. prefers it. And the changes that I've made have actually helped him notice a difference in like how crappy he was feeling eating fried food or dairy Mm -hmm. or too much cheese. So, you know, people fight what they don't understand and they fight what's not comfortable when, you know, everybody could learn you know, and everybody could feel better if they made these changes, you know, yeah, so absolutely. I don't, I, I felt like a burden at first, but now I'm like, you know what, these changes, it's not like I'm asking people to do something completely crazy. Like these changes actually will make them healthier. So I'm secretly like ninja them being healthier, but like blaming it on myself.
0: I yeah. like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I
1: think, I think this is a good segue into how, you know, your health journey played a role in your conception of, of Wellseen. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what well Wellseen is? You know, we were a sponsor last year um, and it was a great experience. My first experience there of uh, being with all these women that, you know, are like-minded and are seeking, you know, the, the, the connection of, of people just like them. So tell us how that started and, and what that's, what that looks like um, as we go into 2021 and, and what you're
2: doing? Well, seems my baby, you guys, um, <laughs> I have always loved planning events, right? If I, I have 10 brothers and sisters, I oh, plan wow. baby showers, weddings, like you name it. I'm the planner. Um, I started an event planning company and then my father passed away, so it just didn't work out. So I feel like after I got sick, I was able to marry wellness, which was a huge part of my life and events, which is another like huge passion together. Yeah. So it was like the perfect combination. Um, when I was able to he- start healing and and, and and uncover all these things about myself, I went to Emory to get certified health coaching because I refused to allow any woman to ever deal with what I did. I just, mm-hmm. if I could prevent that or just give you the resources, then that was all my life's path was. Um, and so I did that for a little bit, but I realized that it's hard to wrangle people if they're not ready, you know, it, they may say they're ready, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I could host large events and, you know, people can come and learn what they want and take away what they want to take away to implement into their individual lives. Right. And I had this idea for probably six or eight months. And I think I talked to my husband about it every single day. And we went to New York for a trip once I went to a wellness conference. I'm not going to tell you which one because I'm about to roast it. But um, <laughs> you we, know. I, I'm going to. So, you know, it's not an expensive ticket. You fly to New York. You stay in New York. And you go to this three-day event. Hillary Clinton spoke and Gwyneth Paltrow spoke. And right. we're talking about sugar and, like, how it causes cancer and yada, yada, yada. Cool. You know, the content was was subpar. It was all right. mm-hmm. But then we go to leave and my husband's picking me up in an Uber and I'm walking out and they're giving us the gift bags, you know, to leave. And inside was a huge, I don't even know what they're called, leader, whatever, of Welch's grape sparkling wine. And I (sighs) lost it. I (sighs) lost it because I just paid all this money to listen to you talk about sugar and how it affects me and how it's, you know, go cause cancer and cause all these issues. And then you're gonna give it to me as I'm leaving. Like 40 grams and like a tablespoon of that stuff. It's yeah. all sugar. I was furious to say the yeah. least. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was a total contradiction. And I have, in that moment, I was like, this is what the wellness industry is teaching us. Like yeah. they're preaching all this stuff to be trendy, but then mm-hmm. they're just, they're, it's not a well-rounded machine. Yeah. They're is not what walking felt. the walk. Exactly. And I walk the walk. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was like super offended. I was so yeah. offended. And I got in the Uber and I, sh- I didn't even speak. I just showed it to my husband and he looked at me and he said, when are you just going to do this yourself? Like, yes. when are you just going to stop? Just do it. And I yeah, came I like home and I love him. He's the best. So I came <laughs> home and that next day I, and I'm very intuitive. I'm very in touch. Like, you know, I'm just a very intuitive person. Um, And I went to this uh, event space that I had just had been coming up in my thoughts a lot for some random Mm -hmm. reason. I went that next day and I I booked a date for a conference six months away. I had no logo. I had no business name. Well, I knew my name, but I didn't have a logo. I didn't have an LLC. I didn't have a website. I had no strategy. I had nothing. But I had a date. Mm -hmm. And the... (laughs) But that sometimes is all you need, guys. Like yes. when you have these dreams and stuff, you you could overthink things forever. I could have spent a yeah. whole year creating that stuff. But Absolutely. that wasn't – my mission had nothing to do with my logo. My mission yeah. had to do with getting women in that room and telling them that they can live a healthy life. They can live the life they want and feel good about it. And here are your resources, right? And yeah. so I just figured it out. And I had my first conference. Let's see. I booked it. Valentine's day in November. So what, that's like five, six, eight, seven months. I don't know. Yeah. Calculate that COVID. I lost all mathematical skills. (laughs) Um, and I just figured it out and I had over a hundred women there and I had, there was only room for about eight vendors and we had vendors and we had 13 speakers. You know, Dr. Taz was one of our speakers and it was incredible. And the, the lineup, I, you know, as much as it was for everybody else, it was for me And the topics was, was every topic was something I had dealt with in that three-year journey, you know, dealing with, you know, anxiety and, and your, you know, thoughts and how, you know, that causes so much of your body issues. And then, you know, natural beauty products, then to gut health then to just like empowerment, every single topic I, I dealt with. So I, it really was like a presentation of like you seeing like my true self that first conference. Mm -hmm. And we had our second one last year and yet yeah, you guys were a part of it and it was amazing. And we grew so much and, you know, I, it's not authentic to me to do something virtually. I mean, as much as I want to be there to support the community right now, it's just that's not something that's authentic to me and it's not authentic to the brand Yeah, um, because I, I love that human interaction and Mm -hmm. the people that you meet at these events is so Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. So I'm just holding space and you know, next year I'm coming guns a blazing. I'm Mm -hmm. ready. That's
3: awesome. Bigger and better, right? Bigger and better.
2: And now there's so many other topics that, I have come up with that we didn't speak about the last two times. You know, I I know last time we did a breakout session on infertility and it was only supposed to go 30 minutes and I went to get everybody and it was a small circle of about 12 women and they were all in there crying. I was like, I'm (laughs) going to give you guys a while Uh (laughs) because they were holding so much space for each other. And that went on another 30, 45 minutes. I just let it roll. You know, it's, it's the human connection and knowing that you're not alone and there's people around you that, are going through it or can support you and empower you is just, it gives me chills. Like absolutely. That's like all I want. I just Mm -hmm. want that.
1: Well, we've really enjoyed talking to you. I mean, just your passion about, you know, helping people with autoimmune conditions, just the health and wellness journey. Well seen. Um, tell us how can everybody learn more about you getting in touch with you and well seen
2: yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram at WellSeenATL, um, also WellSeenATL.com. Seen, well um, and you can follow me personal personally on Instagram at Gabrielle Doria and my website, GabrielleDoria.com. Awesome. And I'm serious, people. Like, email me, text me. Like,
3: I'm serious. <laughs> yes, like, if you feel lonely yeah,
2: or <laughs> you need a resource, like, I'm here. I'm, I'm telling, like, I'm here. I'm here for no,
1: it. You you are amazing. You are just like the sunshine that just lights up a room and, and absolutely, absolutely you welcoming. So yes, I would tell people, reach out to to Gabrielle because she yes. is so knowledgeable and willing to, and wanting to help. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: yeah. there's, I, I just have to say, thank you, because there's so many uh, women and, and, and men too, who are dealing with these things and just don't have the resources and, Um, The journey you've been on is clearly something that's going to impact so many people. And um, I just really have to thank you for that. And I I think you're doing really good work for people. So thank you for for taking time for us today. And we look forward to watching what you do in the future.
2: Of course. Thank you guys so much.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Made for More. We just finished talking to Gabrielle Diaria at WellSeen Atlanta and just such a good, needed conversation surrounding autoimmune issues, something that is plaguing our society. And we're really only now coming to understand what are the things that can cause and trigger these issues, and then how do we treat them? And there's a lot of different ways to treat these diseases. Um, and it's it's normally not something that just falls within a traditional practice. Uh, After talking with her, hopefully you come away with the understanding that this is something that takes a lot of overhauling, um, a lot of changes, but it is something that can and and will be managed if you are with the right people and if you just take it upon yourself to do that. So um, I think it's important that we discuss, you know, some of the other aspects of autoimmune issues and um, what are some of the other factors that can influence that. So Mary Kathleen's going to tee us off with a few questions.
3: Yeah, we talked a lot about food and how food influences autoimmune issues, but how can movement influence
1: them? Well, I think first we start off about with what is an inflammatory condition, right? So, you know, there's, it's not just Hashimoto's or thyroid. So obesity is a huge um, inflammatory condition, right? Um, We look at fibromyalgia and chronic pelvic pain and MS. All of that is an inflammatory condition. So, when we look at the big picture, right. Of, of, let's look at obesity and, and we, we talk a lot about skeletal muscle mass and percent of body fat mass and all of that. But, um, American, right. I'm in America. We have the highest obesity rate of English speaking countries. So that is huge. Right. And people don't think of obesity as an inflammatory thing, but the reason that it's important when we talk about muscle mass is that, Muscle, it's, it's highly plastic, it undergoes constant remodeling. And when this happens, we have, we it helps us to utilize uh, glucose, which is how our bodies, you know, metabolize insulin and provide insulin to our muscles so that they can function. Mm. So when we look at um, these chronic inflammatory pathways, you know, that we're not able to, you know, process the insulin, we're not able to use our muscles to allow that process to happen, it leads to this whole cascading effect where we, you know, for us, we see tendinopathies can be an inflammatory condition. We see osteoporosis and and osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, all of that are inflammatory conditions, but where do we start? Right. And that's where movement is, is a huge piece of this and building the skeletal muscle mass. Um, So there's so many factors that are not just movement. Um, Jake, what do you, what are your thoughts on that?
0: yeah, that's, I mean, there's so much here that we could unpack. Um, and I think people often understand that you can influence pain through movement, through adding skeletal muscle mass. And like you already mentioned, that's going to bring down the inflammatory markers within a, a system. Um, one thing that, you know, people don't necessarily know is that, uh, working at submaximal workloads, uh, which is, uh, at about 60% of your VO2 max, which is basically how hard a body can work. Um, This is going to produce global pain relieving uh, effects. So what's really interesting is that just exercise itself at submaximal workloads is just as effective as if you were to inject your body with morphine, right? So we know the power on this from a pain standpoint is really important. The other thing is that we're looking at is the body is going to repair itself at night when we sleep. This is how we naturally fight off cancers through melatonin production. This is where we process trauma, as we've learned in other uh, podcasts we've done. This is where the body heals itself, right? And one of the things we see across the board with autoimmune conditions is poor sleep and There's no coincidence that individuals who sleep poorly have more pain. And the the thought process for a long time has been that pain is going to uh, predict poor sleep, where it's actually the inverse. We look at poor sleep is going to predict pain better than pain predicts poor sleep. And uh, we look at individuals who have, uh, fibromyalgia. You know, one thing you and I were just talking about is that if you have poor sleep, your rates of fibromyalgia are more than 300% more likely than those wow. who don't. That's cool. Um, yeah. And, so oh, and there
1: was that study. So there was that study where they, um, they actually looked at women, um, that had, what was the cohort? And they had, So they looked at about 12,000 women who had no history, no fibromyalgia, and they studied them over 10 years. Crazy. And when they looked at them and they started to, you know, their sleep was, they were losing sleep, not getting good, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep. They were, yeah, 350 times more likely to have fibromyalgia just from the lack of sleep alone. And these are healthy individuals
0: which is another good point which is a lot of these autoimmune conditions don't begin to express themselves until the terrain is right or in in other words really right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. an immune system a working immune system is a balanced immune system when we have this slow progressive you know sleep pattern disturbances uh you know subversive intolerance to certain foods things like that all of these things sort of culminate. And then in a lot of people's case, it just takes one trigger to tip the balances of those Mm -hmm. autoimmune conditions to throw them in that autoimmune state where their their immune system starts attacking their body. Right. And so uh, the coming back to the original point, which is where uh, physical therapy can help is that there's so much research on exercise, being able to improve sleep patterns, um, and so what we do is that, you know, 70, uh, a lot of studies, and I'm just going to kind of list a few off 75% of people rated lack of exercise as a reason why they don't sleep. Um, we find that in trials where we just get people performing just basic aerobic exercises will automatically improve sleep hygiene, um, acute exercise improve sleep quality, REM sleep, deep sleep, total sleep, and self-reported energy levels. Uh, just three-week training pra- uh, plans can reduce uh, depression in individuals aged 60 to 84, will improve their sleep quality index. Daytime exercise is associated with stage two deep waves or slow wave sleep, right? So th- these are just a handful of studies that just show that exercise is such a vital part of improving sleep. So if we're talking about rounding out the pie and, and adding the proper uh, puzzle pieces where they go, we have to look at exercise as something that's going to improve sleep. Sleep is something that's going to improve our ability to heal, which is going to ultimately improve our ability to attack these autoimmune conditions headlong. So again, we could talk about this forever, but yeah. um, you know, a lot of times people just say, well, it's just exercise. Well, it's like, no, this is science, right? This yeah. Yeah. Is- this is a, a pharmaceutical, right? If, if you had a, 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 pharmaceutical rep come to you, and this has been my kick over the past few weeks and say, if I give you a pill that has no side effects, that's not going to change anything, but improve your life in all these di- different facets. Like, would you take that pill? And everybody says, of course. And those pill are sleep pills are sleep and exercise. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, we, we talked about this before, Jake, um, regarding the heart rate variability. So when we look at actually how recovered our bodies are to perform the next day, it's, um, you know, I mentioned that I got a whoop. We all got whoops over um, during COVID to kind of track our recovery. But one of the metrics on the whoop is the heart rate variability. So that is the amount of time between each heartbeat when you're at rest or sleeping and the higher your heart rate variability, the more well rested you are. So Um, it's really interesting because there was a study that basically said, if you eat an anti-inflammatory diet, that you will also have an improvement in your heart rate variability. So you'll Mm -hmm. be more recovered at night. Um, Mm -hmm. so we look at, that's a great metric. If somebody's looking to actually see how well they are resting and sleeping, are they getting to that deep sleep or REM sleep where they're able to process pain, getting a device that tracks that heart rate variability. And I think some of the Apple watches now do that, the newer models, but, um, Really, there's a big push on this heart rate variability because it's tracking how well our body is functioning, and it gives a very quantitative number instead of just waking up and feeling well rested. Well, what does that actually mean? Are you getting yeah. the kind of sleep you need to be able to take charge of your day?
0: Yep, and this, yeah, I mean it's it's a really good predictor of just inflammation too. Heart yeah. rate variability, right? Uh, you look at I don't know about you, but you know I love I love a whiskey drink just as much as the next guy. <laughs> Anytime I have even just a few ounces of alcohol, heart rate variability is horrible that night. Horrible. Because mm-hmm. Alcohol is poison, right? Let's call it what it is. It's poison. Uh, and in the same, you know, just anecdotally, it was interesting. I had an injury last week and I, I mean, I was up all night and it was just, you know, the inf- inflammatory response just kept me up and drastically, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Interfered with my sleep performance, and once you know it, like heart rate variability was horrible that night. So, um, it's pretty interesting stuff.
3: I feel like we need to wrap this up so I can go to the gym.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I know. As I'm pounding
3: my oh, coffee. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I've just seen the when you guys have really put a focus on our patients doing, you know, some strength workouts when they come in and giving them strength workouts to do at home. And um, I think I've just seen a difference in the patients who are really committed to it, even the ones they were already healthy. You know, I'm thinking of one right now and she comes in and she's like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work. And I can just tell that um, right now when things are really stressful, especially for people in, you know, an older generation um, with it being a little bit, more scary with, with COVID. Um, I've just seen a difference in her mentally, even in her preparedness for
0: the day. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've kind of changed the, the conversation around pain as well, and in working out and, Mm -hmm. and telling people that you might feel some discomfort, you might feel that it's a new pain, but you're not actually injuring yourself, right? You are, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's not an injury. It's just, it's hurting because it's new and, and mm-hmm. explaining that it's not pain. Like if somebody is, is in that chronic pain state or inflammatory state and they're afraid of creating more inflammation, sometimes doing the thing that you've never done before is what your body actually needs.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, yeah, we could go on and on about this, um, but you know, it's up to us as providers to learn new things. And this is something that we're, we're learning as we go. Um, and we, we've really changed the way that you and I have practiced just in the past two, three years
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: on how to, you know, really own this science and say, you know what, this is not, th- this is, this is just as important as going to your physician and getting your medications and all that stuff, Absolutely. which is super important, but this is, mm-hmm. this is just another piece of that pie that, you know, we really, really have to do our due diligence and we were talking, you know, to someone last night, and they said, you know, with all of the evidence out there, you know, if we're not doing these things, we're teeter-tottering on the verge of malpractice, which is yeah. a really important way to think about this, right? Yeah. If, if we as physical therapists, as healthcare providers are ignoring the importance of this, that could technically qualify as malpractice, if you are aware of it, right? If you know this stuff, yeah. and you're just willfully ignoring that. So mm-hmm. um,
1: Negligence. Something
0: that, that we're trying to own and something that, you know, we're trying to You know, help our our clients with as we kind of learn more too. So it's been something that's been good for us as a whole. Mm -hmm. Anyway, wrapping up tip of the week if you are struggling with persistent fatigue, dietary issues, uh, or even a diagnosed autoimmune condition. Right. It's worth going and getting tested. It's worth looking for providers that will help you. I know well-seen Atlanta has great resources available, but sometimes it's it's simple things too, right? It's not that complicated. And when we look at, you know, changing a lifestyle and, and helping yourself feel better, looking at the, the four basic things, sleep, exercise, dietary changes, stress management, right? So, take one of these things and start to introduce and see how this changes your life. And it's gotta be a commitment, right? And, and we're here to help. We're here to answer questions. So feel free to uh, message us on Instagram, on Facebook, we are available to talk. So we thank you guys for listening and we hope this was good information.